Welcome to After School Democracy, the podcast that attempts to fill in the gaps you almost certainly missed in school about politics, economics, and history. Nations around the world did their best to keep leftist thinking suppressed, either through outright brutality or in places with liberal free speech and free press, propaganda against it. And with capitalists having so much money, especially during the Gilded Age, with so much income inequality and labor abuse, anti-leftist propaganda was a lucrative business. Marx hung out in Britain where free speech was allowed and printed his own paper and wrote articles for other papers, but the battle was always uphill. In that time, many labor massacres occurred in the U.S., which many people don't talk about as the Pinkertons and the government thugs literally slaughtered men, women, and children who dared demand a living wage and organize a union. In the end, in some areas, only the mafia was powerful enough to protect unions from getting crushed, and they had to make a deal with the devil. Marx died in 1883, never getting to see his ideas come to fruition, and mostly feeling hopeless that any chink in capitalism's armor wouldn't be exposed for possibly centuries that a new revolution could occur under and exploit its weakness, so one of the forms of leftism could take over and create a new prosperous socialist nation that would actually be of, by, and for the people, as opposed to the myth many nations told their people it was. Marx died believing France would be the one to finally get communism right, since it was now industrialized with well-educated people and a strong proletariat class. From there, it would become a global powerhouse and a shining example of communist prosperity, and more nations would model their successful system. He was sadly way off. It was not the most industrialized and educated nation of Europe that embraced it, but the least industrialized and educated nation. That nation was, of course, Russia. It's theorized that if not for the Soviet Union, post-World War I, the French Socialists would have organized and turned France into a communist nation. However, because violence was very normal in a monarchy, mostly full of uneducated peasants and brutal kings, the capitalists were able to point out just how brutal and terrible the Bolshevik Revolution was in Russia, and that quickly cowed much of the socialist movement in the rest of the Western world. It was only in colonial nations and other monarchies that communism actually spread. Russia was a backwater of Europe. It had serfs literally longer than any European nation. However, the Tsars knew that they as a nation were following behind in the industrialization race and knew the only way to fix this was to end serfdom so peasants could travel freely around the nation where jobs were most needed as workers. Until then, they were all mostly just simple farmers. Serfs at this time were a little differentiated from slaves in the U.S., though with a few more rights and privileges. And this model is why American slavery was so easily accepted as normal and just in America. Add some racial inferiority theology and later bad science, and treating them even worse than serfs was totally cool. Tsar Alexander II was known as Tsar Liberator, as in 1861 he declared all serfs free. However, he knew the lords would lynch him if he just freed the serfs, so part of the deal was that peasants were free, but they now had to repay their liberation debt for the next 50 years, making most of their lives no different in some ways worse than as serfs, similar to black sharecroppers post-reconstruction in the U.S. Alexander only did this for industrialization, and in no way because he was a nice guy, as he also implemented one of the largest ethnic cleansings to that date, killing between 800,000 to 1.5 million Circassians and forcing the majority of them to flee the Northwest Caucasus, where 
most of them now live in modern Turkey. It was this brutality and the brutality leftists and liberals felt under the Tsar that not only normalized violence and state murder for people like Lenin, who killed and expelled significantly less, but still a terrible amount, it made him feel like it was absolutely necessary to protect the communist state from monarchists and capitalists from seizing the tools of propaganda or be crushed like they did in the Paris Commune. This freeing of the serfs in Russia caused a slow and steady creation of a proletariat class and an influx of Western ideas into the Russian working class. However, a real revolution would require going out to the peasants, who were free in name only, as they still outnumbered the proletariat and they still viewed the king as God-ordained. However, leftists and liberals hated talking to the peasants, similar to how their modern equivalents don't like dealing with the rural and small town folk. This delayed their chance for revolution by up to 40 years. Mao saw this later on and just skipped over the proletariat and went directly to the peasants, which made him more successful in the revolution, but required sacrificing a lot of Marxist ideals in the process, such as equality by ethnicity and gender, and they ended up hurting themselves in the long run. The liberals and leftists finally got together around the first Russian revolution united under the banner of the Tsar Must Go. After a failed quagmire of a war with Japan and some other poor choices and an accidental slaughter of some protesters, 1905 saw the first Russian revolution that ended in power sharing between the king and the Duma, or elected parliament. Against Lenin's wishes, pretty much all of the left-wing boycotted the first election. Lefties like to claim that since Lenin said that elections privileged the bourgeois, therefore they shouldn't bother voting, even though he constantly said that until there was a sufficient revolutionary force, it was their moral duty to vote and engage in the parliamentary process, even though it did favor the bourgeois. In the second year, they did vote and won significant seats, which scared the crap out of the monarchy. After two years, the Tsar pretty much stripped the Duma of anything other than a ceremonial role and returned to slightly weakened absolutism. To be honest, it's really hard to discover the truth about socialism, communism, and anarchism. Both the capitalists and the communists use propaganda, each biased in favor of their side and very uncharitable to the other side, often not representing them or their arguments as the other side sees it. Pretty much always a straw man. If I have said anything that you can debunk, please let me know, and if it's dramatic enough, I will upload a new video to cover it. So as always, thank you all for watching this as a video or listening to this as a podcast, which I'm sure was completely uncontroversial to anyone, especially to the YouTube monetization team. So if you found this useful, please donate to my Patreon. Just a reminder that I'm Anubis2814 on YouTube, and I have almost 700 videos on my channel that I've made over the past 11 years on religion, science, psychology, and politics. Please go check them out, and if your site has the option, like, rate, review, and comment. A special thanks goes out to Kendall Copperberg, Ogrel, Elias Garcia Guevara, and Joe Taylor for their $10 or more Wapawet level donations. I'm always humbled by the fact that they find my work worth funding and worth driving me forward. Thank you all. Please consider donating to my work if you can, and thank you all for listening.